1: Domingo Santana Ooh, I wanna have ya
0: Tanaka, Spakakta A jag like Michael Walker Polanco
2: Friday and welcome in to fantasy baseball today on July 29th Frank Stample joined by Scott White today on the show Brady Singer has looked awesome over his past two starts how why we'll break it down week 18 sleepers two-star pitchers and much more Scott did you notice anything about Kokomo Friday today
0: Yeah, that was a throwback oh yeah, yeah. Like that. I I got a few requests okay Fair enough.
2: Yeah, it's, it's we're, been a We're going to get
0: to a point where nobody knows who Adam is when they talk about his happy place. Who is that?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Of course, Adam Azer. If you listen to the Fantasy Football Today podcast, you are well aware. If you've been listening to this podcast for, I don't know, more than two years, then of course you know who Adam Azer is. But a little throwback for our... uh Our OGs here on Kokomo Friday. Just a little heads up. I'm like battling something right now. So if I sound nasally, if I have to like pause to sniffle, Scott, this is your show. So
0: you're taking over. Oh, (laughs) wonderful.
1: All right. With that. Looking
0: forward to that.
2: Let's jump in. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, Scott. Oh, my goodness gracious. You are left with the Olive Garden breadstick of the night.
0: Yes, I'm going with the singing one, Brady Singer, who sang us a song against the Yankees. One hit them, the Yankees. He one hit them over seven innings, struck out 10. This was his second straight start with double-digit strikeouts at 12 last time, and that's kind of weird for him. He hasn't been... Uh, a big bat misser so far in his major league career. And it's not that he's been around that long, but it hasn't for the majority of this season either entered this start with a swinging strike rate below 10%, which is not very good. So I don't know where these strikeouts and the whiffs specifically have come from for Singer. It doesn't look like the pitch selection has changed. His velocity was up in this start considerably. It was up uh, 1.3 on the sinker, 1.8 on the slider. Those are basically the only two pitches he throws. But it wasn't up in his previous start when he struck out 12. So I'm I'm not even sure I'm not even sure how, how much we can credit that. Having said all that, year long stats now for Brady Singer: 3.51 ERA, 113 WHIP. More impressively, a 330 xFIP. I mean, you have a 330 xFIP. He's pretty good, right? Maybe he's pretty good. Like, I'd feel better if his swinging strike rate was higher. If, if, if I knew why he got double-digit swinging strikes and two straight. But uh, I think, regardless of me knowing that, it's time to put in some some claims for Brady Singer. And it just so happens he's a two-star pitcher for next week, facing the White Sox and Red Sox. Going, going for the laundry combination there. Yeah,
2: I was gonna say that's they're a lot gonna, of socks.
0: They're gonna come out of they're gonna come out of the washer pink by the time Brady Singer is done with them.
2: Yes, potentially. Uh, we'll compare him to a few other waiver wire pitchers in in just a second. You know, we were talking beforehand, Scott. And we're trying to figure out like what is Brady Singer doing differently so far this season. The one thing that stands out to me is the control it's much more improved last year 3.7 walks per nine this year 2.2 walks per nine he's always done a good job getting ground balls he's got a 47 percent ground ball rate so far this season as well the slider has improved just in general I, I don't know if he's throwing it differently or i haven't really looked into like the depth of the pitch to see if it's just better but it's performing better uh, it's got a career high 19 percent swinging strike rate and you know, we've seen pitchers succeed with just two pitches. Normally, you know, they need to be two, you know, exceptional pitches. Um, but if he's throwing ninety four, ninety five with the sinker, and he's got this improved slider, then then maybe he can make it work. So uh, I'm still a little bit skeptical, but it's hard to argue with two double digit strikeout starts in a row. So I, I am quite interested in Brady Singer myself. Let's compare him. I mean, I don't think he's in the same category as Aaron Ashby, right? Like, I think Ashby's nope. kind of like the top waiver wire pitcher who might be available, right? Yes. And then I think we get into that group of Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, Andrew Heaney. Where does Brady Singer rank among that group?
0: You know what? If we're going to include Heaney, I'm, I might put Heaney even ahead of Aaron Ashby. I know he's had a lot okay. of trouble staying healthy this year, but every start he's made has been a banger with that new slider the Dodgers have introduced. So let's... Let's put Heaney at the very top of that list, followed by Ashby. Okay. So I think Brady Singer is probably about on the level of Braxton Garrett in terms of who I'm interested in picking up. I have considerable doubts about both, but it's – you know it, they've gone beyond the point where I can continue to dismiss and ignore them. I mean, I thought I wasn't on, I wasn't on the show Thursday to react to uh, Braxton Garrett's start Wednesday, but you know, even though he allowed five runs, I I thought, I thought it was there were still a lot of good signs for Braxton Garrett. Like there, what there wasn't reason to give up on Braxton Garrett.
2: Yeah, it was a really bad first inning where he gave up four runs, but. Still had eight strikeouts to one walk, and I believe in line for two starts next week as well. Yep. Yes. Yep. So that is Braxton Garrett. Um, all right. Uh, how about compared to Reed Detmers? Detmers over Brady Singer?
0: Mm, that's a tough one. It's close.
2: <sighs> I think I would take Singer just because what you've brought up with the lack of two starts in a week, Scott, I mean, it, like you're, you're looking for something to kind of break the tie here. And, and for me, that might yeah. be it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was considering hedging my bet, you know, Singer in points, Detmers and Roto, because I do think, I, I think Detmers is better, Okay, uh, but, you know, and then he's probably looking at a severe curtailment of the innings in the second half, so yeah, I'm going to say Singer.
2: All right, cool, so Singer, Detmers, Braxton Garrett, I think that's a, a pretty fair ranking there. But yeah, again, there are some waiver wire pitchers emerging here. Um, Brady Singer is the latest. Oh my goodness gracious for me, and I don't know, maybe this should just be for you too, Scott, because Matt (laughs) Chapman, as we uh, spoke about recently, you told people about a month ago, beginning of June, I guess that would be two months ago now, uh, go buy low on Matt Chapman. There were some good underlying numbers. He was hitting the ball hard, strikeouts weren't really all that bad. And he has been great since the start of June. He went two for three here on Thursday with a double dong. And now in 45 games since June 1st, Matt Chapman is hitting 290 with 12 homers, 35 runs, 34 RBI, 93.2 mile per hour average exit velocity, 16% barrel rate, his 150 game pace during the span, 40 homers, 116 runs, 113 RBI, in one of the better lineups in baseball, what's not to like with Matt Chapman?
0: Yeah, what's not to like, indeed. And I feel like a lot of the underlying numbers uh, say he, like this is this is who he could have been all along. Maybe who he should have been all along. You mentioned that sixteen percent barrel rate during the hot stretch, very high. Well, his year-long barrel rate is thirteen point four percent, so also very high. Uh, The average exit velocity for the year, you said it was like 93-something during this stretch. For the year, it's it's 92.7, which itself is 95th percentile. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest change for Chapman. Two big changes for Chapman this year. I mean, the things that went wrong for him uh, when he... Mainly last year. I mean, last year was the real disaster for Chapman, and there was a steep reduction in exit velocity, and the strikeouts were way up. It was actually a two-year thing with the strikeouts, but, you know, the, I attribute them mostly to the hip injury that he was playing with in 2020 when the strikeout rate was first up, and then he had surgery that offseason. First year back from it last year just didn't look the same. Now he's had more time to recover, and he's back to being Matt Chapman we saw uh, looking like a fantasy mainstay for the A's, did he actually reach 40 home runs one year with the A's, or was it like 38 or something? I don't think he's ever had 40,
2: but I can be. Yeah, yeah he had 36 one season.
0: 36, okay, but that was that was in Oakland, yeah. very tough place to hit.
2: How about this guy? I, I was just looking that up in home games this year. So in Roger Center, he's hitting two sixty two overall with a nine oh one OPS. On the road, two twenty eight, six seventy three. So Roger Center has really, really helped Chapman so far this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's not like a Coors Field situation where you know there may be no rhyme or reason for that. But I, I think just the fact is he's in a better hitter's park yeah. than he was with the A's. He's in a division, you know maybe it hasn't translated to the away numbers, but he's in a, a division, the division with the most hitters parks. When the AL West has The most pitchers parks so it's it was a very favorable upgrade as far as that goes for chapman but but more than anything i I think he's just gotten healthy and this is this is who he was developing into before that hip issue came up 36 home runs with oakland in 2019 i mean that that makes him a 40 homer candidate in a place like toronto for sure
2: Oh my goodness gracious, battle of the MVP candidates. How about this? Aaron Judge went one for three with a sock and a shoe. 39th home run, 10th steal. His full 162 game pace. He's not gonna play 162. He's, he's already missed time, but just for fun. 65 homers, 136 runs, 138 RBI, 16 steals. That's <laughs> just, <laughs> that is insane. I mean, Aaron Judge is really just, having a historic season, as is Shohei Otani, who extends his double-digit strikeout streak to six starts now, in a row. He was up against the Rangers, six innings, two runs, 11 strikeouts, to zero walks. I was watching it, it didn't even seem like he had his best stuff. Still had 21 swinging strikes on 98 pitches, 14 of those on the slider. Speaking of the slider, the velocity on that pitch, up two miles per hour. He threw it a season-high 51% in this start. It's just been a ridiculous pitch for him, and a ridiculous season in general. I mean, as a pitcher, Scott, 281 ERA, 102 whip, 145 strikeouts over 99 and a third innings, nearly a 16% swinging strike rate for Shohei Otani. It's it's crazy. It's it, You run out of words to say. If you had to handicap it right now, Judge or Otani, who wins the MVP?
0: I mean, I kind of feel like time Otani's healthy and, and performing like we expect him to. Yeah. Like it, it should always be him. Like, he's twice the yeah. player. Anyone else is, you know. Uh, I know maybe if you actually add the add up the war, it it may not translate to exactly twice the player. But it's it's like I think it should be Otani. I don't know that it's going to be Aaron Judge is having a historic season, and I because obviously Maguire Sosa bonds that whole thing uh it, it may be not judges season may not be getting the historic appreciation it deserves but the famous home run chase of 1961 between roger maris and mickey mantle through august maris had 40 home runs mantle had 39 that's where judges right now 39 he's he's right there wow Right on the same pace they were in 1961. Now, I don't know if the calendar lined up exactly the same way back then. Uh, I, August, you know, that, that might not be the fairest cutoff as opposed to number of games into the season or whatever. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the leaderboard, most Yankees, most home runs before uh, before August. I guess I said, was I saying through August? I, mean, I guess I meant yeah. through July. Gotcha. Um Babe Ruth, forty-one; Roger Maris, forty; Mickey Mantle and Aaron Judge tied for thirty-nine, and then Babe Ruth, thirty-eight. Like that's that's the kind of year Aaron Judge is having.
2: Yeah, and he's got a couple more days to extend that before we get to August, too. And going up against Royals pitching, although you know, look, Brady Singer looks great. You know, maybe Judge has a chance to uh, extend that before we get into August. I agree. I, I mean, I think as long as Otani's healthy, he probably should win it, but. If Judge comes close to sixty homers, best player on best team, Yankees, they're probably going to give it to him. Waiver wire pitchers in shallow leagues, very shallow leagues. Alex Wood took a no hitter into the seventh inning up against the Cubs. He is seventy seven percent rostered, so you know maybe in some ten team leagues, some shallower points leagues, he went uh, six and two thirds, wound up giving up two runs, three strikeouts. Overall, the the strikeouts, swinging strikes weren't that impressive, but hey, you take a no hitter into the seventh inning, it's Impressive, regardless. Uh, the ERA remains over four for Alex Wood. Underlying numbers much better. Scott, what do you think? Can uh, Can Alex Wood get it going here in the second half?
0: Yeah, I think he could. I I did have him as a sleeper pitcher for this week, so I'm glad that worked out. You yeah, know, the fact his xFIP is as low as it is, he's pitched really well. He just hasn't pitched deep enough, and he hasn't been available enough. This is only his fourth start. With uh, in which he's gone six innings this year, and so you know, it's hard to be an effective fantasy pitcher if you're not going six innings consistently. Of course, I feel like he's had some bad ERA luck. Hopefully, that's beginning to normalize. The strikeout rate is good, the swinging strike rate is good, and the XFIP, as we've pointed out, is very good. So, yeah, I think more likely than not, better days are ahead for Alex Wood.
2: All in medium depth leagues, some pitchers that stood out. Eh, maybe deeper leagues. Jordan Lyles, a solid start up against the Rays. He went five and two-thirds shutout with four strikeouts to four walks. ERA in the mid-fours. I think we kind of know who Jordan Lyles is. say Kikuchi made his return up against the Tigers. He went five innings, one run, five strikeouts. And look, he's having a brutal season. There's no doubt about it. He gets hit very hard, over five walks per nine. I'm not saying you need to add Kikuchi, but I think he's a name to watch just because we've seen him kind of get on these streaks and be hot for like two months at a time. So just a name to watch. And then Cutter Crawford, he's allowed three earned runs or fewer in five straight. And he was up against the Guardians, five and two thirds innings, one run, only two strikeouts. Uh, the ERA is 4.15. Solid swinging strike rate, 11.7%. And he is 15% rostered. Scott, anything you'd like to add on? Lyles, Kikuchi, and Cutter Crawford.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Kikuchi's worth keeping an eye on. I do think... I do think there's more talent there than the numbers would indicate. And and you're right, for stretches, he's shown it. I think Chris is even more of a Kikuchi guy than I am. But I, I, I do think there's a chance he, you know, becomes a worthy fantasy option. I think I think he has the skill set to do that. I'm also kind of interested in Cutter Crawford. I mean, you mentioned the, the swinging strike rate is is pretty good. It's above average. He's somebody who's, who's giving the Red Sox some length. He's gone six innings a uh, couple times, I think, five and two-thirds this time. That's pretty close. And he has two matchups coming up next week. One is at Houston. That's not so great. One is at Kansas City. That's really good. So I actually have Cutter Crawford only... rostered among my sleeper pitchers for this upcoming week. I'm not saying he's a must-add across the board. He's actually in the lowest tier of my two-star pitcher rankings, but he's at the top of that lowest tier. And so if you're somebody who's willing to sell out for volume, you don't want to overlook Cutter Crawford this upcoming week.
2: All right, and in the deepest of leagues, Spencer Howard with the best start of his career and... I just went through his career game log again, Scott, just to make sure this was the best start of his career. (laughs) And it looks like it. Uh, It still wasn't overly impressive, but uh, Spencer Howard goes five shutout innings, three hits, zero walks. He had five strikeouts, just four swinging strikes on 76 pitches. Um, He's having a good season in the minors. Former top prospect with the Phillies. Now he's with the Texas Rangers. I just, I don't really see it with the arsenal. He throws his fastball and cutter... Uh, they accounted for 92% of his pitches in the start. It's, it doesn't throw that hard. It's, I don't know. It's just hard for me to get excited about Spencer Howard. And then Ryan Yarbrough is the other one in deep leagues. He had a season high, eight strikeouts at the Orioles. Uh, anything here, Scott, let's say, you know, 15 team leagues or deeper. Spencer Howard, Ryan Yarbrough.
0: Not a lot there. I, I agree that this start from Spencer Howard, you know, I, I'd like to find something to cling to with him because I have him in the Scott White Dynasty League. I'm actually trying to trade him and and nobody (laughs) wants him. Just reminder, it's a 24-team league. Right, yeah. And it's a 24-team league where starting pitching is very scarce, always. Oh, yeah. Um, But nobody wants Spencer Howard, except for Nando. Um, (laughs) I, I might still trade him to him. I don't know. Yeah, four whiffs on 76 pitches in this one. Against the Angels, the Troutless Angels, who have been just a disaster offensively for a couple months now, and uh, usually they usually they swing and miss a lot more than that. So the fact Howard mustered only four whiffs against them, you know, not not so concerned that he threw five shutout innings. As much as I'd like to be. As much as I'd like to think this was the start of something.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm rooting for him, man. I, I, I'm i always rooting for, you know, top prospects, former top prospects to come through, but just kind of hard to see it right now. Anything on Ryan Yarbrough or
0: just blah? I, I mean, he's been usable in the past. He can be a good source of whip. He's been a good source of wins in the past Um, just because, you know, he's providing length for a good team. But, mm He's it's been a couple years since we've seen that version of Yarbrough and it's going to take more than one start as good as it was. He missed a lot of bats surprisingly, but I'm I'm not ready to act on that with Ryan Yarbrough.
2: All right, let's move over to some offense. The Dodgers put up 13 runs in Coors Field, zero home runs, old school baseball. Trey Turner went three for four with three runs, three RBI and his 18th steal. Freddie Freeman went one for three with two walks, two RBI and his eighth steal of the season, 10 is his career high, so I have a good feeling Freddie Freeman will have a new career high in steals this season. Will Smith went two for five with three RBI. And I saw in the box score, Scott, that he was going by W.D. Smith now. Have you seen anything? Like, where did this come from? W.D. Smith? I don't
0: know. Well, I I think maybe it's just to distinguish him from Will Smith of the Braves, maybe. Like, like I don't think he's going like that's his name, W. D. Smith. You look at his you look at his individual player page, it still says Will Smith. Mm. That's my guess. Anyway.
2: I, I looked at his individual player page on MLB.com and yeah. I think all of a sudden it shows his middle name now.
0: Which right, is... probably just to distinguish <laughs> from the other Will Smith.
2: William Dills Smith. <laughs> I don't know. Dills. Dills. That's his middle middle name. How do you feel about Pickles, Scott? You in? Out? Yeah the
0: dill ones yeah you like pickles not not so much the sweet ones uh, i am yeah. completely out on pickles it's oh come on i hate
2: this fad now where every chicken sandwich fried chicken sandwich has to have pickles on it
0: of course it does. Why? Where? Why? It adds to the, the,
2: the complexity
0: uh, of the flavor. You no. just pick them off if you're that opposed to them. No, no, I no, like I no. like that.
2: Scott, you can't do that because then all the pickle juice is like sunken into the bread and the chicken and it's, oh, it's nasty too. All right.
0: Well, ask them to leave it off, I guess, but oh, you're yes. missing out. <laughs> no, I'm completely out on, I, on pickles. I like. I don't like eating just like a giant pickle. That's that's a little much you have to you have to have something to uh to counterbalance that flavor but i am disappointed when i get a burger or uh you know any kind of sandwich it could be a fish sandwich and there's no pickle on it like you know i i remember i went to this restaurant in the keys it got some kind of like hogfish sandwich or something right and they just they gave me like a A pickle, a dill pickle spear on the side, and I just slapped that right on the sandwich (laughs) because, like, it needed it. It it just added so much to it.
2: Oh gosh,
0: that you know, that that little burst of sour amid everything else, it keeps the sandwich from being so one note. You know?
2: No, I don't know. (laughs) I clearly don't. I don't know if this is uh, maybe this is my version of an Azer take, but no, just boo, completely out on pickles and. My wife's family, they don't support it because they're like Polish, very Polish, and like pickles are, you know, part of the culture. So I can't, I can't, I can't reveal that to them, but I will reveal it to you, Scott, and, (laughs) and anybody else listening. Gavin Lux, another three hits, goes three for five with a run and an RBI in that game. Let's move over to another hitter. How to value Xander Bogarts? It's kind of been an interesting season for Bogarts. He did have a monster game here on Thursday, a sock. And two shoes. His eighth steal. He's now up to uh, eighth home run, rather now up to seven steals. He's batting three eighteen. but he's kind of just been empty batting average ish. Before this game, obviously, you know he was sitting on seven homers and five steals. Batting average is great. I think he has fifty five runs. That's very useful, obviously. Uh, but I noticed the slugging, the ISO, the home run to fly ball ratio are all the lowest they've been since twenty seventeen. What do you think about Xander Bogarts, Scott?
0: Well, if you'll remember, Frank, back when I was first contemplating what the widespread use of the humidor and the, the more consistent use of the deadened balls would mean, I, I highlighted a few players whose power production might suffer in this new world we were entering into, and among those players was Xander Bogarts because his exit velocities relative to his home run production is, you know, kind of suspect, kind of suspect this year, 88.4 miles per hour. That's the lowest it's been, but he's usually like 89. It's, it's definitely like a, you know, somebody who's around 50% uh, middle of the pack in terms of how hard he impacts the ball. Now the environment's improved over the course of the season. We've talked about, I haven't taken inventory recently uh, of, of what it's looked like. You know, in, like in July specifically, because once things started picking up in June, I just kind of stopped worrying about it.
2: It is down uh, a little bit compared to June, Scott.
0: I okay. looked at it just yesterday. Okay, so it hasn't it, it hasn't been consistently getting better, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know if that's entirely the reason why Xander Bogarts has uh, has disappointed with the power. Uh, the fact that he's done everything else, Xander Bogarts, like I think, uh, makes a pretty compelling case for that. You know, part of the issue, part of the reason I have a hard time caring about Xander Bogart's disappointing output is is like that's kind of been the whole shortstop position, except for Trey Turner and uh, a couple other guys who we weren't really expecting that much from to begin with, you know? Yeah. Dan, uh, Corey, Corey Seegers picked it up. Dan's, but like, Dan's Corey Seegerson. Yes, Dansby Swanson has been, you know, great all year. Uh, yeah, no, Corey Seager, like he, I recently moved him up to, I believe second in my rest of season rankings for Ooh. points leagues. I may have Tim Anderson ahead of him in, in categories leagues. Uh, unless there's somebody I'm forgetting, but I moved him way up because like he's, he's, he's so few shortstops have lived up to expectations this year. Yeah. I and mean, I was looking at Francisco, Francisco Lindor's numbers recently because uh, remember early on, it's like, oh, Francisco Lindor's back. And, you know, looking at it recently, his season's kind of playing out the way I thought it would too, uh, where it's more like a 20 to 25 homer pace with a batting average in the 250 range. It's like relative to other shortstops, it's 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 yours going fine, but like relative to what our expectations were coming into the year, or at least what the general public's expectations were coming into the year. It's not up. It's not up to that. Before we hit the break,
2: I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you haven't already, for those listening, youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. We usually go live around 1215, 1230 Eastern time. That's a.m. By the way, uh, every Sunday through Thursday, Sunday, a little bit earlier, like 11 o'clock. Uh, it's very late, but we got to wait for those West Coast games. You know, obviously we have fun on here. So, If you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And just another reminder that Sunday is the final day to nominate Fantasy Baseball today for the best sports podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. The link to help us out, podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up, and then toggle down the sports category. If you are watching us on YouTube right now, we do have a QR code in the top right corner, which you can take out your phone, scan that. That'll take you uh, right to the link, click on it, Uh, And then again, the sports category, help us out. Nominate Fantasy Baseball today. Let's take a break and we'll be back right after this. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Also, homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The news and notes. The biggest and very unfortunate news from Thursday was that Marlins pitching prospect Max Meyer will indeed Require Tommy John surgery, which means he will likely miss all of next season as well. So, hoping for the best. Maybe beginning of twenty twenty four season, we we see Max Meyer in the Marlins rotation. A uh, lot of things can change by then, but obviously rooting for him to come back strong. Luis Robert reported to AAA on Thursday to begin a rehab assignment. He's on the IL with uh, lightheadedness. It's kind of a, I don't know, a weird. Unknown situation. I, I'm not really sure what's going on there, but hopefully he's all right. Raphael Devers, who is on the aisle with a hamstring injury, is on pace to return when first eligible on Tuesday. Good news. Get him back in your lineups. George Springer left Thursday's game and is being evaluated for elbow discomfort. So watch that closely. Trevor Story is still experiencing discomfort in his right hand and remains without a timetable. Bobby Witt Jr. has missed four straight due to a hamstring injury. Brian Reynolds was placed on the paternity list and we'll miss a few days here with the Pirates. We had another trade. Not really a big one yet, but I uh, have a feeling some of those big trades are coming. The Mets acquired both Tyler Naquin and reliever Philip Deal. Uh, I would imagine that Naquin and Mark Hanna move into a natural platoon there, Scott. I mean, overall I'm not very excited about Tyler Naquin. Uh, I was gonna say you could pick him up in NL only, but he was already
1: in yeah, the he National League, there.
0: unfortunately. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think this is good news for anybody. Uh, I was just checking. You know, Canada's Canada's actually hit much better against righties than lefties this year. Mm, interesting. Like he's getting on base nearly forty percent of the time against righties. So I I don't like that. That shouldn't be what the Mets do. Platoon those two, uh, but we'll we'll see. We shall see.
2: Now I'm trying to figure out if there's any beneficiary from the red side of things. Like, maybe they call up Jose Barrero and give him a chance to play. I don't. I haven't seen what he's doing in the minors recently, so I have no idea. But formerly a top prospect for the Reds, and yeah, maybe he'll get a chance to play in the second half. The name there is Jose Barrero in deep leagues. Joe Barlow will begin a rehab assignment over the weekend and could be back soon. He's 52% rostered. Scott, would you look to uh, re-add Joe Barlow if he was dropped anywhere, considering that Brett Martin has struggled recently?
0: Well, I, I mean, they didn't—they didn't remove him to insert Brett Martin into the role. They removed him because they wanted to take stress off him, which you know is a weird reason to remove remo- a, a pitcher who's otherwise performing well in the closer role. I kind of wonder what was going on behind the scenes there. It's possible Joe Barlow gets it back, but it's just as possible they turn to somebody like Matt. Bush, who's been pitching pretty well of late, so I don't know that I don't know that it's a high priority in the 15-team roto leagues. It's probably not a bad idea to stash a prospective save source, but it's uh, it's a leap I think right now to say Joe Barlow is going to be the closer again.
2: Dustin May made another rehab start on Thursday and will require at least one more before rejoining the Dodgers. He threw 46 pitches, striking out six over three scoreless innings, and Dustin May. Again, could be good to go early to mid-August. He's 65% rostered. And Scott, I know he's someone you've talked about adding and and that you're excited about. But what happens with the Dodgers rotation? Obviously, these things can work themselves out. Maybe someone gets hurt by then. But if not, do you think they go six-man or I don't know? What do they do?
0: I think there's a good chance they go six-man, or maybe not strict six-man, maybe like skipping Tony Gonsolin for a turn here and uh, skipping Tyler Anderson for a turn there. Uh, I, I think Gonsolin mainly is the inning is the, the pitcher in the rotation that they most need to be concerned about the workload. Mm-hmm. So it, they may just use Dustin May's return as a way to kind of give everybody a breather. I mean, Tyler Anderson is probably the low guy in there. Well, I don't know. It could be Andrew Heaney, I guess. But Tyler Anderson um, has, a, I think, a little more experience as a reliever. Eh, I don't know that either has much. I, I think Tyler. But An- Tyler Anderson just, you know, had another great start today. Is what I was getting around to saying.
2: Right. Yeah. I think he threw a a pretty decent amount of innings last year. Uh, yeah, one sixty seven for Tyler Anderson. Yeah. So he was most. Yeah, he was just a starter. Thirty one starts last year. Um, for Tyler Anderson, I think going six man would kind of benefit everybody in that rotation. I just don't know if it's something um, the Dodgers want to do. Uh, I guess right. we'll find it's out. It's
0: not like Clayton Kershaw is known for his durability. Exactly. Andrew Heaney, you know, been hurt most of this year. Arias Arias kind of surprised me with the workload he took on last year, but I, need, I mean the Dodgers the Dodgers are running away with the rest the West right now, so they true. can they can afford to to play things cautiously in the second half if they want to.
2: Once Dustin May returns, Scott, where do you foresee kind of throwing him into the rankings? Will he be ahead of that Ashby, um, Andrew Heaney group? Will he kind of jump into jump ahead of like Reed Detmers and, and all those other guys we talked about earlier? Well,
0: let me see where I have him in the rankings right now because I totally butchered my in that shortstop discussion how I have them ranked. You have him 68th. Um, 68th, yeah, right. while he's still rehabilitating. So, that's pretty good. That's ahead of Reed Detmers already. Uh, I have him 8 spots behind Aaron Ashby. I have him 14 spots behind Andrew Heaney. So, yep. Yeah, I mean, probably probably maybe just right outside the top 50. Maybe right about where Andrew Heaney is, is where Dustin May will start out for me. And you know, if I knew he was going to be leaned on and and, and making full starts, six-inning starts regularly, I might put him even higher, but I don't know how cautiously the Dodgers will play it with him right away. True. All right. Mariners
2: reliever Diego Castillo was placed on the IL with right shoulder inflammation. Matt Brash was recalled. Tyler Wells was placed on the IL with left side discomfort. And Scott, do you think we could see D.L. Hall, one of the top pitching prospects in the game as a result of this Tyler Wells injury?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, let's the Orioles rotation. They could have made a spot for him anytime they wanted to. Uh, maybe they'll use this opening. You know, maybe it leaves them with no, not much of a choice. I don't like that Hall's last start, he allowed six runs in two thirds of an inning. Yeah. And it was especially disappointed because he, he had been on a roll before that. Like yeah. he had overcome a pitch tipping issue and was like striking out two batters per inning over uh, like a five, six-start stretch. The walks were down. I mean, he's always going to walk a lot of guys. But, I mean, this is a left-hander who hits triple digits, and we don't see many of those in baseball history, at least not in a starting role. Like Shane McClanahan is arguably the hardest-throwing left-handed starter of all time, but D.L. Hall is going to be right there with him when he gets the call. Obviously, it's gone well for McClanahan.
2: Hey, if DL Hall turns into Shane O'Mac,
0: I would love it because <laughs> I, I have
2: him in the Scout White Dynasty League.
0: I would bet against it. Get judging by yeah. the walk rates in the minors, I though agree. McClanahan's minor league walk rates weren't great either. True. So uh, it's it's not a you know D, 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 DL Hall stuff is is great, and uh, when your stuff is that good, like it's it's really control that's the only hurdle for him, and that's. That's one that we've seen a lot of these young hard throwers, especially left-handers. We've seen them clear that hurdle pretty early in his career. I mean, Clayton Kershaw himself walked a fair amount of players in the minors and uh, stopped doing that pretty quickly once he got to the majors.
2: All right. Andrew Benintendi was batting leadoff for the Yankees in his debut, though DJ LeMahieu was out of the lineup. Not exactly sure what they're going to do once both of those guys are in the lineup. Maybe it's LeMahieu-Benintendi-Judge. At the top, but they do like to bat Judge second, so not sure. Paul DeYoung will be on the taxi squad and could rejoin the Cardinals' active roster this weekend against the Nationals. He was batting 249 with 17 homers in 51 games in the minors, so uh, yeah, look, and only name to watch, Paul DeYoung. Scary moment Thursday as Marlins pitcher Daniel Castano was hit in the head with a 104 mile per hour line drive. He underwent a CT scan, which Thankfully, came back clean. Uh, he's been diagnosed with a mild concussion. So, uh, all things considered, I, I think that's a pretty fair result for Daniel Castano. Trade rumors are heating up. Apparently, the Padres are the front runners to land Juan Soto, but I've also heard the Cardinals mentioned quite a bit. The just the idea, Scott, of Fernando Tatis and Juan Soto in the same lineup is bonkers. would Would be so fun, but. Mm. We shall yeah, see with Manny Machado. It's crazy. Uh, John Heyman is reporting. The angels are listening to offers on Shohei Otani. Uh, I think the asking price was all four of your top prospects, regardless of what organization you are. But I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anything's going to happen there.
0: I, I, I would imagine some, pro, some organizations top four prospects when it quite, when it quite meet the threshold.
2: I agree. Yes. That's, yeah. that sounds about right. Um, It also sounds pretty likely that Luis Castillo will be moved, which makes a ton of sense. Week 18. You know, Scott, it's been a while since we've been able to do one of these previews where we take a look at everything that's coming up in the next week, but now we finally get our chance. Week 18 preview, we'll take a look at the schedule, which is all spread out once again. One team has five games. The lonely Oakland A's. Don't think you have to start anybody from their (laughs) team.
0: They do have the worst hitter matchups. But yes, who would you... Who would you be looking to start anyway?
2: I guess Loriano is the closest one, but... Sean Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, in a two-catcher league, I guess you could still start Murphy. 13 teams have six games, 13 teams have seven games, and three lucky teams have eight games next week. The Rockies, the Mets, and the Padres. Before we get to 2 start pitchers to add, let's take a look at some of those fringe options. This guy's not a fringe option, but <laughs> I think it's just worth mentioning that Jacob deGrom... If he returns on Tuesday, is in line for two starts at the Nationals versus the Braves. Obviously, if he's back, we're starting Jacob deGrom. Josiah Gray is going up against the Mets and at the Phillies. What do you think there?
0: I lean yes on that. I have him in the second tier of my two-start pitcher rankings. So not quite must start. Obviously, he's vulnerable to the long ball and those aren't the most favorable matchups. But, I I think I'm to a point now where I'm always going to lean yes whenever Josiah Gray's in line for two starts.
2: All right, Lucas Gilito, the ultimate wild card, up against the Royals and at the Rangers.
0: So I have him in that same tier with Josiah Gray, but behind Josiah Gray, uh, it's obviously risky, but those matchups are very favorable. That That is the reason why I'd be willing to consider it even in a categories league. Uh, when I first saw Giolito was a two-star pitcher, I was like, eh, maybe just for points leagues, but those matchups are so good yeah. that if you're looking to catch up in strikeouts or wins, you you might consider it in a categories league, too.
2: Yeah, I hear you. I think points league for sure, but it's got to be the right set of circumstances in a categories league where look, if you have Giolito and you've been starting him, your ratios are probably shot anyway, so yeah, if that's the case, you just need volume then go for it, but if you want to protect your ratios, I'm pretty worried about Giolito. Cal Quantrill, uh, you know, he's kind of been a mixed bag. He pitches to contact. He's up against the Diamondbacks and the Astros next week.
0: Yeah, I see him as points league only. You know, he's, he's RP eligible, which is, of course, points leagues are the format that matters in. So you could do it in that, but not highly recommended.
2: Nathan Avaldi, a lot like Lucas Giolito. Not pitching very well right now. He's at the Astros and at the Royals.
0: Yeah, I mean, even worse than Giolito, because his velocity's been way down since coming back from the IL, and he's just been getting pummeled. So I am a pass on Nathan Avaldi this week. Even in points leagues, I wouldn't do it.
2: Okay. Two start streamers for next week, Scotty. Who do we have there?
0: We have. A couple of players we've mentioned already. Andrew Heaney's my favorite. All five starts he's made this year have been bangers. And he's got the Dodgers backing. And matchups, for what it's worth, are Giants and Padres, but I don't think it really matters. I'd be starting a two-star Heaney anyway. Braxton Garrett gets the Reds again and then the Cubs. Those are two pretty good matchups. Brady Singer, we talked about at the top of the show: White Sox, Red Sox. They're coming out pink. <laughs> And then there's a big gap before you get to Cutter Crawford, who I mentioned earlier, only 15% rostered. One of his two matchups is against the Royals, and he's been pitching deep enough into games and getting enough swinging strikes that if you're wanting to sell out for volume, I I think that's okay. A couple others who you could pick up and I don't hate uh are Michael Kopech, he's 76% rostered. He gets the Royals and Rangers just like Giolito does. Marco Gonzalez gets the Yankees and the Angels, so those are some polarized matchups for him. Makes it a little tough. Domingo Herman looked pretty good in his last outing. He gets the Mariners and Cardinals. Kyle Gibson gets the Braves and Nationals. Again, matchups on the opposite end of the spectrum there. And uh, Keegan Thompson gets the Cardinals and Marlins. So those I just mentioned: Kopech, Herman, Gibson, Thompson, Marco Gonzalez. None of them are in my two, my sleeper pitchers for this week, but I, I don't hate them, and they're making two starts.
2: Domingo Herman. I will point out: if the Yankees acquire a pitcher, he's probably the one that gets the boot from the rotation. So
0: just that's that 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 a mind. good point to bring up, actually. Like, yeah, this is a week where. You know, it's one thing to say here on Thursday, oh, these pitchers are going to pitch on these days, but particularly with the trade deadline about to happen, uh, it, it could take a wrecking ball to these pitching matchups. So that kind of just makes it in general a time you're going to want to play it a little safer with your pitching staff and maybe not, not go all out for the streamers.
2: Fortune favors the brave and the bold. You don't want to start these pitchers, but if you are desperate and you want to take a shot, Then these are some two-star pitchers that you can look at for next week. Scott, who you got?
0: (laughs) Uh, Man, I probably used it up with those names I rattled off at the end there. (laughs) I mean, I kind of want to just say Cutter Crawford because he's such an obscure name. But no, he's on the official sleeper pitchers list, so I will pick somebody deeper than that. How about Spencer Howard?
2: Ah, Um, you stole my answer.
0: (laughs) We saw what he just did against the Angels. Didn't look like he pitched very well, but the result was good. This week, he gets the Orioles and White Sox. Those are two favorable matchups. And you're kind of dumb if you use them. But that's the whole point of this Fortune Favors the Braves segment.
2: Look, I think you'd have to be pretty brave to start Giolito and or Nathan Avaldi right now. Again, it depends how desperate you are, what kind of position you're in. I probably would not want to start either one, but you'd, you'd have to be pretty brave right now. Single start streamers next week. Who you got?
0: So some good ones here too. George Kirby goes against that awful Angels lineup. And I think he's going to be able to get more whiffs against it than Spencer Howard did. Reed Detmers gets the Mariners. And of course, he's been on a nice run since returning from the Miners with that harder slider and everything. Cole Irvin who has had an amazing July. He's got his ERA just barely over three for the year, Um, and none of us really buy it, but very successful at home as a fly ball pitcher. He's not at home this week, but he's at the Angels. It's another big park, and again, a, a lineup that's really struggling. So Cole Irvin, I think, is a good streamer for this week. Hunter Green gets the Marlins. Yeah, he, he did this past week, too, and it was an okay start. He gave him nine hits, but he missed a lot of bats, and the Marlins have just, you know, they're they're about as bad as the Angels right now offensively. Chris Flexen gets the Angels and has been pretty reliable this year. Jeffrey Springs gets the Tigers, who still are technically the worst offense baseball, and, and he hasn't been pitching deep into games recently, but the ratios still look good, and with that matchup, I... I'll, I'll include Springs here to round out the list.
2: Yeah, Jeffrey Springs made his first start in a while.
0: Uh, yeah, last, four and a third innings. He went. Last
2: Sunday, yeah, he went four and a third. Uh, but even his start before that, July 5th, maybe he got hurt in that start and that's why he left, but uh, he only went four innings in that start too. So yeah, it's it's kind of tough in a points league right now at Springs, but that is, that is a really mm-hmm. good matchup.
0: If you want to go a little deeper... And he just started against them today. It was technically a quality start, but a little iffy. Graham Ashcraft gets Ugh. the Marlins again. I, I just like anybody against the Marlins right now. Yeah. Um that's fair. I think is uh I think is a viable streamer. And Ashcraft, you know, gets a ton of ground balls and throws very hard. So it could go okay for him.
2: The best hitter matchups for next week the White Sox, Blue Jays, Astros, Rockies, and Brewers. The worst hitter matchups, the A's, the Giants, the Reds, the Braves, and the Nationals. With that being said, Scott, your favorite sleeper hitters for
0: Week 18. Well, you'll notice you didn't mention the Mets or the Padres among the the best hitter matchups, even though they have eight games, facing a lot of tough pitchers in those eight games. The Rockies you did mention, and they have eight games as well, but even that's kind of dicey because they're on the road all week. And that's usually not a good time to start a Rockies hitter. Right. So it's, it's really not a great week for hitters in general. It's just, just the way the schedule lines up. But I will give you some sleeper hitters regardless. Hunter Renfro, of course, has been hot. The Brewers have the fifth best hitter matchups. Uh, Luis Arias, I think, is worth using for that reason as well. I thought about Rowdy Teles, but three of the pitchers on the schedule are lefties. So maybe steer clear of him. I also like Leodi Tavares this week. Uh, you know, middle-of-the-road matchups, but three games against the Orioles staff, so that's pretty good. Uh, Nate Lowe, for the same reason I have him on here. Yon Moncada has cooled off a little in recent days, but uh, was hitting well before that, and the White Sox have the very best hitter matchups of any team this week, going against the Royals and Rangers rotations. Uh, I mentioned I mentioned Luis Arias already. Also Ramon Arias of the Orioles, who we've talked about a lot this week. They have good matchups, and he's been hot. Yandi Diaz, the Rays' leadoff hitter, has been very hot for a long time now. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know he, he doesn't provide much power or speed, so a better points league option than Roto, but I like him this week. The Rays have pretty good matchups. And a couple of Diamondbacks I have here as well. Josh Rojas and David Peralta. Peralta specifically because six righties on the schedule for the Diamondbacks and his numbers against righties and being a left-handed hitter are actually pretty good. OPS over 800. I think the batting average is around 280. And he's, he's been performing a little bit better recently. So that's, you know, he's only 23% roster. That's kind of the deep play, I guess, David Peralta.
2: All right, let's uh, wrap up here. Some leftovers from Thursday's action. We had a nice little pitcher's duel between Logan Gilbert and Jose Urquidy. Uh, Gilbert at the Astros. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts. He had 13 swinging strikes. Did allow some hard contact in this one. Uh, I noticed his last two starts. Fastball usage is down a little bit, throwing more sliders and curves, which those technically have... Gotten better results than his fastball this year. So just something to watch for Logan Gilbert. And Jose Archidi on the other side makes it eight straight quality starts. He goes six and two thirds, two runs, only three strikeouts. During that eight star stretch, a 2.60 ERA, 165 bat up against. I I don't think that is sustainable for Archidi, though he does allow a lot of fly balls. What do you think about these two, Scott? Gilbert and Archidi
0: yeah Rikidi's R- R- in that same territory as uh like uh, uh Chris Flexen of the Mariners who uh, you know it's where, it's where Nick Pavetta was earlier this year before falling off where they they keep putting they keep delivering quality start after quality start, so it's like, uh eh, well, I guess I gotta keep using him, but you're waiting for the bottom to fall out there, so that's that's what I think is gonna happen with Rikidi eventually. I understand why you'd use him now though. I mean, Gilbert's just been great. I, I think there's a good chance they curtail his innings in the second half. He was among the eighteen pitchers I wrote about earlier this week. Could be looking at an innings limit. But he wasn't in the the um the most concerning category for that. And obviously he's a big part of getting them to the playoffs. Yeah. So I think it'll be I think there's a good chance he his starts begin to shorten up a little bit at some point. But for the most part, I think you can count on Gilbert to be there for you
2: so if you can sell high on jose or right now
0: we have your yeah. approval yeah he's a sell high for sure
2: all right some other pitching left over. zach wheeler now has a seven inning quality start in four of his last five outings he was at the pirates he goes seven two runs allowed eight strikeouts in this one fastball velocity down one mile per hour Just something to keep an eye on. Jamison Tyone ties a season high with eight strikeouts up against the Royals. He goes six shutout, four hits, two walks, the aforementioned eight strikeouts. His last 10 starts, however, including Thursday, 5.39 ERA for Jamison Tyone. And Tyler Anderson makes it five straight quality starts. This one in Coors Field where he does have some uh, familiarity from earlier in his career. He goes seven shutout with four hits, zero walks, only four strikeouts, a 2.61 ERA on the season for Tyler Anderson, 19 walks in 17 starts. That is awesome. Uh, anything else you'd like to add on these? Got Wheeler, Tyon, and Anderson.
0: I didn't even think about that Rockies connection for Anderson. They were probably thinking like, where was this when you were here? <laughs> because... <laughs> Yeah, Tyler Anderson's career got off to a bumpy start, as it always does for Rockies pitchers. Um, yeah, it's his his strikeout rate, his caper nine, Tyler Anderson is only 7.4. Like, not good. Uh, and and he's never been known as a strikeout guy, but it's interesting because his swinging strike rate has been great this year. It's been a career high by far. And so it's just been a little weird that there, there hasn't been a rise in strikeouts to go along with that. Although, clearly, he's been very effective. And with the Dodgers overseeing him, I expect that to continue.
2: Yeah, no, it's a good point on the strikeouts. But uh, even when a pitcher is lacking in strikeouts, I, I look for a couple other areas to see if they're excelling. Obviously, control, Tyler Anderson, has been fantastic. And he's not allowing much hard contact at all. So
0: no. I, I yeah. mean, his XFIP, because of that strikeout rate presumably is three ninety four, not very good. Yeah. But the xERA, which is more a measure of quality of contact, it's it's right around three. Yeah. So yeah, that, and, and I do think I do think xERA is the best of them at explaining how we like how, at explaining what's already happened. Like I I think. XERA is going to align closest to ERA. But maybe XFIP, uh, at least in recent years, I I feel like it's the better at predicting what's going to happen going forward. Now, in Tyler Anderson's case, I think he's just an oddball pitcher who doesn't really fit the XFIP formula very well. Uh, But that's that's kind of my take on how those two compare.
2: All right, some hitting leftovers. Trey Mancini went two for four with an inside-the-park home run, which was... Very cool to see for Mancini. Maybe one of his final games in Camden. Uh, I think they'll hold on to him. Obviously, they're playing well. But Scott, did you see this play?
0: Yeah, well, I'm getting a little tired of the whole inside the park thing in general. Like, How was that not ruled an error? I don't... Josh I could Lowe, be about
2: this, Josh Lowe was I, parked under the ball. Fly ball yeah. to left... Right field, rather. Well,
0: all three of the inside park home runs we've seen recently were similar situations where the outfielder... Like, should have had it Yeah. in the case, you know, this time Josh Lowe very clearly lost it in the sun. Couldn't see it. It hit off of um, his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the same thing happened on the um, uh, Josh Smith home run, uh, inside the park home run for the Rangers, where the the center fielder, sh- like, should have had it. And, and there was someone else recently, too.
2: Rymel Tapia hit the grand slam right jaron duran right. just had no Where idea jaron
0: duran lost the ball and then didn't chase after it right when it was bouncing around on the boarding track yeah so like very like you watch all three of those plays and you're like does the guy really deserve a home run for that <laughs> i don't think all so. three of them you know but i yeah. guess i'm not really sure i don't know i i don't i don't know how the scoring works on that to be honest um If a player loses the ball in the lights, does that mean it it's not an error by definition? Yeah. If the player loses it in the sun or in the lights or whatever. I guess they're pretty consistent with that though, right? Like just kind of
2: talking it through now, it it, it seems like they usually allow those to remain
0: hits. Yeah. Even though they certainly don't look like hits. (laughs) This one was just
2: so much, I don't know. It it, like the ball hit off of Josh Lowe's face. I I just I does it have to hit his glove in order to be an error? I I don't I don't know. I just
0: Seemed weird. There was a time where I feel like I knew this, but <laughs> I don't anymore. Kyle Swar- change rules and stuff, you know, you lose track eventually. I hear you. Kyle Schwarber went 2-for-5
2: with his 32nd home run. Nick Cassianos went 3-for-5 with an RBI and a run scored. Hopefully this can get him going. Alec Boehm, who I, I think I've mentioned on every podcast this week, he went 2-for-5, now has five straight multi-hit games. Uh, He had three batted balls over 105 miles per hour exit velocity, so Uh, it's kind of empty batting average right now, but he's playing well. Alec Baum, 51% rostered. He's got six home games next week. Uh, Not home games. Six games in general. Four of those are against the Nationals pitching staff, which is very favorable. Jose Ramirez went one for four with his 20th home run, and Alex Bregman went two for four with his 13th home run. The call to the bullpen for the Orioles, Jorge Lopez, unavailable. Felix Bautista recorded the final four outs and struck out three for his third save. For the Reds, one day after I talked him up, Hunter Strickland turned back into Hunter Strickland. He entered the ninth inning with a one-run lead. He was charged with three runs on a hit, a walk, and a hit by pitch. On the other side, for the Marlins, Tanner Scott gave up a run on two walks and a hit, but picked up his 14th save. He is 51% rostered. For the Phillies, Sir Anthony Dominguez recorded the final two outs for his sixth save, 45% rostered. Uh, Scott, those two are pretty close, Tanner Scott and and Dominguez. Who would you rather have?
0: Well, Scott is doing his best to lose the job, and I think Dominguez is kind of pulling away from Brad Hand a bit. Yeah. uh, Though, it's it's only a sixth save, so obviously it's too small of a sample to say for sure. I, I think I trust Dominguez more in terms of how well he'll pitch. But the Marlins have been really consistent turning to Tanner Scott. So, I am going to say I'd rather have, the way things are trending, Dominguez.
2: I agree. Yep. I know you've got Tanner Scott. I, I've got Anthony Bass in a few spots, so um, I'm rooting for...
0: Uh, well, I got, I got some Dominguez too. It's, yeah. um, I began this year in Tout Wars 15-team Roto League with n- no closers. And I eventually picked up Tanner Scott when he got moved into the role and he became my first closer. When, when was that? Like late May or something? Um, and then I picked up Sir Anthony Dominguez and just this past week, I moved out of last place in saves thanks to those two. Nice. So, and now ahead of me in the save standings, there's like this cluster of teams that are only like, Three or four saves ahead of me. So I could gain like five or six points very quickly there. If, Let's if go. both Scott and Dominguez are able to hold on to those roles. Now I also picked up Brett Martin, thinking he could help me out too, but that's not going so well.
2: Where are you in words this year, standings wise?
0: I'm in fifth place of the fifteen teams. And one and two are so far ahead that I don't think it's I don't think it's realistic I could win the league. I am trying to finish third though. Fair enough. Which would make I think four top three finishes in six years, I believe. That'd be pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh
2: if you remember off the top of your head, who who's in first and second?
0: Adam Ronis, who <laughs> wins a lot. Oh gosh. Yeah, Adam is really good. Man.
2: I, I used to work very closely with Adam Ronis. He he's a good player. He's a really good player.
0: I think he's actually in second though. I think uh Mike Gianella's in first.
2: Oh, nice. Shout out to Mike Gianella. I know he he listens to the podcast quite a bit and uh we DM from time to time. So Nice, good. Shout out to him. Uh, for the Royals, Scott Barlow entered in a tie game. He gave up that solo homer to Aaron Judge. He took his third loss. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano recorded the final four outs for his 22nd save. The Red Sox, Tanner Scott, uh, Tanner Houck, likely unavailable. Garrett Whitlock pitched the final two innings for his third save. He is 44% rostered. I think we're kind of getting closer. I don't know if they're going to do it, but Houck hasn't been great recently. Whitlock has looked pretty good. I don't know. We'll see. The Astros, Ryan Presley gave up a hit, struck out two for his 21st save. For the Rangers, Brett Martin pitched two days in a row, I assume unavailable. Matt Moore picked up his second save and has pitched very well for the Rangers this year. And then for the Giants, Camilo Duvall gave up a hit, but struck out the side for his 13th save. To stream or not to stream, Friday. Jose Quintana versus the Phillies. Madison Bumgarner at the Braves. James Caprillion at the White Sox. Marcus Stroman at the Giants and Alex Cobb
0: versus the Cubs. I am going to say, I think Alex Cobb. He's kind of in the same boat as Alex Wood, the Alexes for the Giants. Both look like they should have, they should be better than they've been. Uh, and the Marcus Stroman at the Giants, I think, is okay. Tough matchup, obviously, but uh, as I pointed out after his last start. It was really just that, that one ugly start before going on the IL. If you remove that, he's been like a 320 ERA guy this year.
2: All right. On Saturday, Zach Greinke at the Yankees. Ross Stripling versus the Tigers. Johnny Cueto versus the A's. Ranger Suarez at the Pirates. Mitch Keller versus the Phillies. Dakota Hudson at the Nationals. Jacob Junis versus the Cubs. And Reed Detmers versus the Rangers.
0: Reed Detmers against the Rangers, I think, is the the gimme here, but Ranger Suarez at Pittsburgh and his last couple starts of, he's looked a little better. And obviously Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh, Ross stripling against the tigers. That could go. Okay. And I think that's all I do. Dakota Hudson at Washington's tempting, but I think that'll be his first start back from the IL. So let's, let's take a pass on that one.
2: Quato, I think is fine
0: too. Don't love it. Oh yeah, Cueto against Oakland. Yeah, yeah. I overlooked that one. Against yeah, him, him, and Stripling are probably on the same level. I think the top two are are uh, Deadmers and Suarez.
2: On Sunday we have Aaron Ashby at the Red Sox, JT Brubaker versus the Phillies, Nick Lodolo versus the Orioles, Jake Odorizzi versus the Mariners, Dane Dunning at the Angels, and Adrian Sampson at the Giants.
0: So as much as I like Ashby. I'm a little hesitant to to run him back out there after that good start against the Rockies just because he's been so volatile. I kind of want to see him settle into to being what I think he can be before he really has my trust. Uh, over him, I would prefer Nick Lodolo against the Orioles just because that matchup's so good and coming off a dominant start against the Marlins. Let's see if he can do it against somebody else.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And... Uh, uh, would Ashby be my second choice of this group? Probably.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, Lodolo going up against the Orioles. They are 23rd in weighted on base average against left-handed pitching. So uh, it's a pretty good matchup for Lodolo. We're going to wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching fantasy baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye.